Sing for Science is made possible in part by support from Science Sandbox, an initiative of the Simons Foundation. Today's episode was recorded remotely from Los Angeles, California, and New York City. Don't forget to check out our other episodes, and please subscribe to the show. The reason why I love Ringo so much is it's the highest values of human nature that I most appreciate, and I appreciate in Ringo. That means highest values of compassion, highest values of kindness, highest values of being able to listen, of charity. And I just think that Ringo is a true testimony to a person who's been meditating a long time and been true to himself for a long time and has weathered many, many storms. Welcome to Sing for Science, the show where musicians and scientists talk about music and science. I'm your host, Matt White. Each week we'll talk about a song by our guest artist and how it connects with our guest scientist's area of expertise. Today we'll be speaking with music icon and peace activist Ringo Starr. Ringo's career as a solo artist has produced 20 studio albums and 46 singles, including the 2019 song Send Love, Spread Peace. Ringo's commitment to the peace movement began in the 1960s and continues to this day with everything he does, including a birthday tradition on which he invites anyone to post, say, or think peace and love at noon their local time. Also joining us is Bob Roth, renowned meditation teacher and CEO of the David Lynch Foundation, which has brought meditation to over one million people in need around the world including veterans suffering from PTSD, victims of domestic violence, and school-aged children in underserved areas. Bob's teaching draws on numerous scientific studies that demonstrate the effectiveness of meditation in cultivating peace for both the individual and the collective. The title of this week's episode on the podcast is Send Love, Spread Peace, The Science of Promoting Peace Through Meditation. Hi, Ringo and Bob. Thanks for joining me. Well, thank you, Matt. It's our pleasure, I'm sure. Yeah, thank you, Matt. It's great. Just so you know, these tapings are meant to be very informal conversations. So though I'm the moderator, please feel free to jump in with your own questions for one another when, whenever you like, anytime. Is it over yet? <laughs> just, just about. So Ringo, if it's all right with you, I'd like to read the first lines of Send Love, Spread Peace for our listeners. Okay. Send love, spread peace. It's all in the world we need. Do all that needs done to reach out to everyone. Imagine what a wonderful world it could be. So what could you tell us about how or when the idea for this song came together? Oh, I think, yeah, I think Gary Nicholson and I wrote this song. And so uh, Gary would have great titles and then we'd write a song about it. And uh, this, it had peace in, so this is the one we have to work on. So that's how it came about. I mean, then all the attitude of the song and the words of the song. Uh, well, it's what the birthday does. It's what I've been doing anyway 
spreading peace on my birthday and getting people to join in. And so I just, it's just like part of me now. Yeah. You know, it's peace and love. And so the, the song just came naturally. You know, he had, we had another song that was, he was in, he was in a bar or in a club or somewhere and he heard these people he didn't know speaking to each other and one of them said last night i had a peace dream <laughs> and that's all we need we wrote peace dream you oh, know wow. um so the song just arrived i mean you know i'm open-minded open-hearted and you know when i have other uh, musicians or the writers come and hang out and see what we get and so with that one it just it had the sentiment I love you know it had peace in it and uh, and spread more love is like it's that's what my birthday is all about yeah you know, because I learned from Maharishi when I was in India that you know action is good but even if you think good that's good too, because it goes out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, you know, to make, make it easy, the ocean is there, but even thoughts help fill the ocean up, you know, sure. of peace and love. And uh, so that's always stayed with me, that, uh, you know, I don't have to t get a, you know, a hammer and knock a wall down. I can think of going round the wall. Yeah, and and to that end, on on what you just shared about the Maharishi, to me, this song also echoes the sentiment of both Louis Armstrong's What a F Wonderful World. Well, yeah. yes, yes. Imagine. Yeah. yeah. And everybody loved that song. Yeah. I mean, it was a beautiful song. And I think, you know, underneath all of the madness of our world, there's a deep need and a, a deep being with love. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we try our best. And uh, that's all I can do. So I also had to learn that also. This is what I do. And, uh, you know, I can't force you to go peace and love. <laughs> and I say that when I'm standing in a lineup with people who want the photo and I'm going, only if you want to. <laughs> I can't okay. demand that you, you know, get those peace and love fingers up. Uh, <laughs> I never do that. Um, but, you know, peace and love. You know, it's been around, I mean, it's been around from the ever, mm -hmm. uh, not just even as far back as Louis Armstrong, ever, way back. And, you know, for us, it started uh, to happen in the 60s with the flower power. And, you know, thanks to Timothy Leary, he helped in a, a weird way because he uh, made, you know, acid or LSD, he, he started putting it out there. and. We were always looking for something that gave us life, you know. Was that your first exposure to the idea of a, the peace movement through Timothy Leary? Well, it was, no, it was George went to San Francisco, mm. you know, and the changes. I mean, one of the most beautiful pictures, photographs I ever saw was when, I forget where it was now, I don't know, it, may, it could have been Kent. People were putting flowers in the barrels of the rifles that the guards had on them, mm -hmm. and I thought, you know, how, you know, how peaceful is that? You know, it's not like a, you know, you 
fighting each other for your own point of view. This is just like a simple action, but a beautiful idea. Yeah. And you mentioned this uh, tradition of turning your birthdays into peace campaigns. How did that start? Out of the blue. I didn't sit for a minute planning it. I was on tour and uh, it was like two weeks before my birthday. And I was being interviewed, uh, you know, to promote the tour and that. And uh, somebody said, well, what would you like the fans to give you? It's your birthday coming up. What would you like the fans to give you? And it came from within. I said, <laughs> I'd love them to give me peace and love at noon <laughs> on my birthday. It, was, it wasn't planned. It just came at that moment. And we, there was 80 of us outside uh, the Hard Rock in chicago and mm -hmm. we they made little cakes that's how the first one started and we gave these little cakes to people and most of them were on ebay four hours later for 80 bucks <laughs> 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 but i'm not in charge of that i'm in charge of offering and you take and do what you like you know what i mean um and that's how it started. And so the next year we thought, well, let's do this again. And we, we peace and loved uh, at noon. And then we, we had, we've, we've done it in a lot of states and we've done it in Germany. I mean, it's just, just what we do now on my birthday, we peace and love at noon. You know, this year we'll be in LA. We did it for like eight, nine years at the Capitol building, but that's being redecorated. Um, and we did it in New York, I mean, you know, in Nashville. It's like wherever, just, I don't plan where I'll be. You know, I'm usually on tour uh, or I've just finished a tour. And uh, wherever I am, that's where we do it. Okay. That's the biggest plan we have. Wherever I am, okay. uh, we just uh, set it up. Yeah. Because uh, Bob's here with David. Uh, he supported us with the peace and love. And then I found out what he did with Bob and, every, and all their people. And I thought, oh, how great. I mean, once they told me about these children, that's what got to my heart, that they went to inner city schools and they brought meditation and they did their job, they did their gig and the headmasters of many schools were saying the violence has gone down, you know? And it, that's what it took, meditation, a change of being, you know? Love it. Over to you, Bob. <laughs> well, I'll just say that for the David Lynch Foundation, that uh, your birthday, July 7th, is a big holiday of the David Lynch Foundations. We are always very excited to... Uh, tell kids and veterans and police and firefighters and school teachers and frontline healthcare workers, you know, that July 7th, Ringo Starr's birthday, peace and love noon, and it just makes people very happy, as do you, Ringo, just who you are and how you live your life. And so it's a very special day for the David Lynch Foundation. And every year on July 7th at 12 noon, but also Ringo's support of the David Lynch. First of all, bringing, helping to bring Marishi to bring transcendental meditation to the world in the late 60s, and now supporting the foundation. He's making sure that every day, twice a day, these inner city school kids and other you know, women who are survivors of domestic violence, they get peace and love twice a day 
because of Ringo's uh, gener- and Barbara's generosity. And and so we're he- we're here today to talk uh, in general about meditation's proven capacity to spread peace. So, Bob, as an expert, to, what do you say to the uninitiated or, or even skeptical? Well, I mean, skeptical, I think, is healthy. I think a person should be skeptical until they know, until there's some facts to back it up or some research to back it up. And now, after almost 60 years of teaching transcendental meditation and meditation around the world, there's so much research uh, conducted at top universities and published in all the major um, medical and scientific journals that shows that For example, transcendental meditation is highly effective at reducing stress and stress-related disorders like anxiety and depression and uh, burnout and promoting resilience and health and clarity of thinking and creativity. It's sort of beyond the point of skepticism there. There's just so much data. I think people should be skeptical, but they shouldn't sit back. You know, take take a look at what's happening and you'll see that it's a new world. And I want to thank you to hipping me to the uh, Global Union of Scientists for Peace, GUSP.org. Uh, and, and they, on their website, they point to 23 different studies that demonstrate the effectiveness of meditation in preventing social violence, terrorism, and war. So for our listeners, what are some of the highlights of those studies? Well, the, the principle or the precedent behind it is, or the hypothesis is, that we're all connected. You know, we're all connected on a surface level, you know, just by virtue of being human beings and, and inhabiting this rather limited space of cities and countries. But we're connected, the hypothesis is on a very profound level, on the level of our own deepest nature, and which is the deepest nature of nature's nature, and it's said to be a field of consciousness. And that when we, small groups or small numbers of people meditate, they're getting better for themselves, but a byproduct of that is it spreads an influence of peace like Ringo is doing with on his birthday, but it sends an influence of peace from a very profound level that uh, reduces societal indicators of stress, again, which is violence and um, war and all these uh, outbreaks of non-peace so meditation, properly understood and practiced, has two profound effects. One, it creates peace and love within the individual, and that's shown by reduced, for example, cortisol levels, which is a stress hormone. You get a good night's sleep, cortisol levels drop 10%. You practice TM for 20 minutes, cortisol levels drop 30 to 40%. Published data. Also, the side effect is it has an influence on society as a whole. No, you asked the question, what are the standouts? To me, the standouts was a study in 1993 in Washington, D.C., where there 4,000 people got together, advanced meditation TM experts from all over the world, for the largest sociological study ever done on meditation and peace and crime. And it was widely announced to the press ahead of time. There was a 27-member independent scientific review board And the prediction was that in the middle of summer, when it was hotter than Hades, that there would be a reduction in violent crime, which is the time when violent crime ordinarily spikes. And there was a 22% reduction in crime during that time with all those meditators, and no one could believe it. Yeah. All of that, Bob, is so great. But, I mean, I personally do it and ask people to do it because while they're doing that, they're not doing anything else. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> very true. You know, um, and uh, 
it, you know, you grow. Yeah. I mean, people do it because they feel the benefits of it. Yeah. And when someone asks me about these collective effects, which can sound a little bit sort of woo-woo or out there, I say, well, you know, you have a light bulb and all you're doing, you turn on a light, you're just lighting the filament. That's it. But then the light radiates out through the glass and it can light up a room. And there's a great quote from um, Schopenhauer, who's a great, he said, all truth passes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Second, it is violently opposed. Third, is it, it is accepted as self-evident. Mm. So, you know, it's ridiculed, violently opposed, accepted as self-evident. And when Ringo and his mates brought, met with Marishi and then brought the message in 1967 and 1968, it was violently opposed. It was ridiculed. And now it's widely accepted. It's just how human beings are. When you're talking about, we're, we're talking about measured effects of meditation, and when we're talking about its effect at the group level, is that what's referred to as the Maharishi effect? Yes, that is the Maharishi effect, named after him, who first predicted it back in 1960 when he said if 1% of the world's population would meditate, there could, there could be no wars. And the reason he... 1%. 1% of the whole world's population meditated. And then... Uh, in the mid-70s, he introduced some advanced meditation techniques which were more powerful, and it became the square root of 1%. So about 10,000 people meditating together, doing their advanced meditation practices together, would, would radiate out such a profound influence of peace and harmony that there could not be any more violence. Because he said violence is just the expression of stress, buildup of stress within the individual's lives. Okay. And so this borrows from, and you, you mentioned this is, it's a Hindu term, I, I believe, Vedic science? No, well, um, Hinduism is a religion that basically got for, formed by the British and, you know, the Westerners who went over to India and decided, well, you have a religion. And for them, it was like American Indians. American Indians didn't have a religion. They had their lifestyle. They lived their lives. And so over in India, they didn't have a religion, but they had, for example, they have Vedic medicine, Ayurveda, which is a Vedic approach to medicine, and yoga, which is a Vedic approach to exercise and meditation, which is a Vedic approach to developing the mind. So it is not a religion, and the Vedic approach predates Hinduism by thousands of years. But the perspective is, or the, the worldview is, is that, yes, we're individuals, we're separate people on the surface, but deeper and deeper levels of nature, when you go into the you know, atomic and subatomic and you know, quantum level, there's increased harmony, there's increased unity. And so there, the, they predicted that at the deepest level of nature's functioning was a field of consciousness, which was underlying and common to everyone and everything. And it's a field of, you could say, evolution or positivity or peace. And during meditation, when we transcend, we stir that field. This is the Vedic understanding. You stir, you enliven that field. And that influence of peace radiates it through what's called a field effect, just like when you play music or people are hearing this or watching this, hearing this through the electromagnetic field. It's information passing through the electromagnetic field. Well, at that deepest level, that influence of peace spreads through the field of consciousness. So I know it's long-winded, but basically the hypothesis is if you have a minimum number of people, 
enlivening that field, you're going to spread an influence of peace throughout society, and you're going to see not only a reduction in crime and violence and war deaths, but you're also going to see a reduction in heart disease, heart attacks. You're going to see a reduction in um, drug addiction. You're going to see an, an, an increase or an improvement in the way your brain functions because we're all connected together. There's been now 50 demonstration projects, 23 studies published in independent peer-reviewed journals, which means that independent scientists have you know, scrutinized the data, scrutinized the proceedings, the procedures, and accepted it for publication. And the common response is the data is uh, convincing, but the mechanism is just that people don't understand it. It's out of their worldview. They just don't understand the mechanism between people meditating here and then reducing violence over there, you know, from tens of miles or hundreds of miles or thousands of miles away. And I often think of this as, in science, it's always understanding the mechanism. I'm an older guy, and I remember in the 70s the notion that a mental practice or that the mind could influence the body was just completely rejected, outright rejected. It was outright rejected that stress could contribute to heart disease, a person's mental stress. And it wasn't until the mechanism was discovered that, oh, so the mind activates or stimulates the amygdala, and then the, which is the you know, emotional center in the brain, and then the amygdala triggers the um, adrenal glands and floods the body with cortisol, and then you've got the fight-or-flight response. Once they had an understanding of the mechanism, something that had been going on for thousands of years, mind-influencing body, was now understood. So my feeling is we now have almost incontrovertible proof, incontrovertible proof that the Marshy effect works. Now the whole thing is, is understanding the mechanics, but the David Lynch Foundation is not, and the TM organization is not waiting for, for that to occur we're going ahead and demonstrating it on a larger and larger scale. You know that that it was Schopenhauer that you quoted earlier, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that quote calls to mind the famous Arthur C. Clarke quote, which is um, uh, ad- "Magic and advanced technologies are indistinguishable from one another." <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, think about two hundred years ago that you would you know you could pick up something the size of a cell phone and, you know, and I'm on this and I'm talking to my brother who's hiking in Mongolia. People would think it's insane, but there's a mechanism that's understood. And when you know the mechanism, then it's not magic anymore. So when we get deeper into understanding the mechanism of how individuals transcending or settling down and accessing that deepest level of their own nature somehow influences the deepest level of other people's nature, then, you know, then it's it'd be a new world. Yeah. Amen. Um, <laughs> if you could, could you um, reference one more study in, a, in addition to the DC one? Sure. In, in the 80s, well, this is going back. I mean, it, I'll do two. In the 80s, there was a study in Lebanon where they had gathered uh, 500 advanced meditation experts during a war. It was a safe area, but for be- war between Israel and Lebanon. And um, it was done over about eight weeks. And again, there was predictions in advance. So it wasn't after the fact. People took credit for it. Predictions in advance that there would be a reduction in societal indicators of, of stress. And in fact, there were 
you know, st- study the results showed reduced war deaths, reduced uh, violence, and the results were published in one of the top medical journals, scientific journals in the world back in 1982, and it's been replicated many times. And now, most recently, studies were published in conducted in the United States. They gathered about 1,800 people over years and years and years in Fairfield, Iowa, at Maharshi International University. And uh, the data uh, showed significant improvements in the quality of life in the United States in the, you know, 2008, 2000, onward, 2008 to about 2016. And you can go to GUSP, G-U-S-P, as you said, that's Global Union of Scientists for Peace, GUSP.org, for all the data, for the journals where it was published in, for the, all of that stuff is all there for your scrutiny. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, and Ringo, if I may, I'm, I'm curious because, you know, he's, Bob's talking about D.C. in the 90s, very violent place. And I've, I've read you describe how violent Liverpool was in the 50s. Did your, yeah. up, did your upbringing in that environment contribute to your commitment today to spreading peace and love? I, I can't say. I don't know. I grew up in a a neighborhood which was uh, pretty rough. And the town in those days was pretty rough, the city. And um, it was just how we lived. And then I was saved because I was ill in hospital at 13 and I wanted to be a drummer because they gave me a little drum. And so I was... I had to work in factories, I worked on the railways and stuff like that. And I was not thinking at all about meditation. And sure. uh, I was just, this is the next day. And, but I think because of this dream, uh, sort of a fantasy at the time is that I wanted to be a musician, but I only wanted to be a drummer. And I started in the Eddie Clayton Skiffle group with the guy who lived next door, but we lived, we worked in the factory, him, Roy and I. We started this band and that sort of opened a lot more doors and a lot more attitude where I just wanted to play. Even though it was rock and roll, it was like, it was up. It was like spiritual in its own way. Um, and then, you know, to join the, the best band in the world, in the land, and, you know, John and George went to a seminar for Maharishis. And I'd never heard of him then. And they said, we're going, they left me a message saying, we're going to Wales. We met this guy, we're going to Wales on Saturday. And uh, we went by train and Maharishi didn't know us. And then he found out about us and he wanted us to do a concert in every city in the world. <laughs> For meditation <laughs> and we said no we're not touring anymore <laughs> but uh you know he was a beautiful guy to hang out with you know he just had a great vibe and his laughter when i first met him i only wanted what he had you could mm. you could just feel the joy and the the love and you know his, when he was telling you these very serious things about uh meditation he'd like laugh and he'd bash his flowers against his hand and, <laughs> you know it's like it was really you know it, it got deep to us uh 
But, you know, if you just mention that when you saw him and he's whacking the flowers now, he sounded like a madman, but he was, <laughs> he was not a madman. He was a beautiful human being spreading the love, you know? Yeah. And uh, so, you know, when people say, what, what has happened in your life that's just incredible? And I said, meeting Maharishi. That's right. how it, and I didn't plan it. I just, I was out one night, I got two messages. And we went to Wales and we met him. And, you know, while we were there meditating and listening to the lectures, you know, Brian died and we had to come back. I mean, life goes on around meditation and you can still do it. But my main thing I like to spread the news is that while you're meditating, you're not doing any harm, you know. <laughs> so just that's even enough. And that was I felt Maharishi thing. If you do ten minutes, that's what you get. If you do an hour, you get an hour. You know, uh, it's up to you. There's no like demand. So yeah. uh, you know, and every morning I uh, don't get demanded and meditate. <laughs> mm. You know, life is good. Maharishi said a great thing. He said when the Beatles performed on Ed Sullivan, and everybody in the in America watched it, crime went down like 80%. And he said, yeah, just angels to do something like that. They perform and crime went down a huge amount. Yeah, the four of us love that. When we heard that, I mean, that's because we were like, changing into other people, you know, and yeah. the idea of uh, the crime went down was like, wow, mind blower. Wow. Yeah. So, but you know, we didn't do it for that. Yeah. That was what happened because we did it. And there's a lot of things we do and, you know, that creates another thing that, you know, you, that you, it just happens. I mean, life just happens, you know, and it's what you put into your life and uh, what you uh, receive. You know, there's a part of the brain, if I could say something, Matt, when Ringo was talking about that, you know, these ideas just keep coming to him about peace and love and about the song. And there's a part of the brain called the default mode network. So I'm going to get a little science here. The default mode network, which is a part of the brain. There's one part of the brain when you're focused and you're really working hard and you're grinding it out. And that's called the attention control center. But there's a part of the brain when you're just easy and you're not focused and you're just in the moment and they call that the default mode network, but they have another name for it, which is the genius lounge Ooh. because <laughs> the genius lounge and isn't that great. And Ringo, yeah, the genius yeah. lounge is where you're not working. And then these ideas just come to you in, in a non linear. They just sort of they're because you're not focused, then you're open to some new ideas, some creative ideas. And, you seem to have a lot of that genius lounge, that default mode network. Well, I feel six inches taller today. <laughs> <laughs> you got the you got genius, the genius lounge, lounge going. Yeah, yeah. All this right, boys. Great. I mean, I think yeah, uh, Ringo, we've you. chatted. And, uh, yeah. and uh, Matt, uh, God bless you. Peace and love. You as well. Ringo, thank you so much and happy thank birthday. Really great. Peace and love. Ringo invites you to say or think peace and love today, July 7th at noon, your local time in celebration of his 83rd birthday. You can catch Ringo and his all-star band on tour this fall. For more information, please visit RingoStar.com. To learn more about Bob's work in transcendental meditation, you can visit DavidLynchFoundation.org. 
Sing for Science is co-produced by TalkHouse and made possible in part by a grant from Science Sandbox, an initiative of the Simons Foundation. Our music is by Panoram. Social media manager is Bailey Constis, and digital producer is Keenan Cush. Today's remote recording engineers were Bruce Sugar in LA and Tyler Hicks in New York. Special thanks to Elizabeth Freund at Beautiful Day Media, Casey Williams and Jessica Harris at the David Lynch Foundation, Scott Ritchie, David Lismy, and Phil Weinrobe for their help with today's show. If you like today's episode, the best way you can support us is to give us a review, tell a friend about the show, and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. For more information, please go to singforscience.org and follow us on social media at Sing for Science. Thanks for listening.